mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 18. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 12. If you'll remember with me, we were, were in the, oh, well, we left the garden. We were in the garden. We have been, uh, Jesus has been arrested. He was betrayed, arrested. He's been mocked. He's going to go through a mock false trial and then crucified on a cross. We have been led out of the garden we're being led to Annas's house first, who is the real high priest. And then to Caiaphas's house is where we ended up, I believe, um, last week. Is that correct? We are not starting in verse 12, guys and gals. We're starting in verse 18. I apologize. I was like, what happened here? I'm lost. It's not even verse 18. It's verse 28. My goodness. I'm looking at all these trees in the forest, and I can't see past my ink marks. We are starting in verse 28, and I was giving you a review from two weeks ago. Teach me not to make notes over this. So... When we closed, Simon Peter had denied Jesus for the third time. Um, they were warming their hands by the enemy's fire. And a relative of Malchus, whom Peter had pulled a sword, a sword and cut his ear off in the garden, noticed and said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied it a third time, and then immediately the rooster crowed. That's where we're at. I'm glad you guys are here. Good thing somebody corrected me, or we'd have been teaching the wrong verses again. That'd have been fun. So, notice that Peter denies him three times, just as Jesus told him that he would before the rooster crowed. And, you know, it's going to be interesting when we get to the final chapter in chapter 21 and Christ comes and restores him three times. Three times he talks to him and he restores him. And that's, listen, you're going to make mistakes. You don't want to plan them. You want to get your life right and surrender to God and begin to follow God. Peter didn't change his mind, if you remember, when he, when he had the great, revelation from the father that jesus was the christ the son of the living god peter was real happy 
he was the boss man then. But then the very next conversation, what does he do? He rebukes Jesus because Jesus said he's going to go and be betrayed and arrested and mocked and, and die. And on the third day, he'll rise. And Peter says, no, come here, come here, Lord, and takes him aside. And uh, you really do need to go aside and go away with the Lord and spend time with the Lord. But you don't want to be the one leading the conversation. You want him to be the one leading the conversation. And it was probably better if you say, what did you mean by that, Lord? Instead of saying, no, we're not doing that, Lord, because now it's become your will and not the Father's will. And he said to him, of course, get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God. And, and that's really the crux of it, guys and gals. Are we mindful of the things of God or are we still living our life for ourselves? Are we still doing what we want to do are we mindful of what God has called us to do? Mindful of what the mission is and the will of God. Uh, not just that every soul would come to repentance, but then your sanctification. That's the will of God. It doesn't stop with salvation. We're moving on to sanctification. And then when we cross the finish line, it's glorification with Him. So we can't just say, okay, I said a prayer, I'm done. Which is the way the church is living today. We have to go onward and upward. And so he didn't change his mind. He was rebuked. He was rebuked by God. He didn't change his mind. How do we know that? Well, we see the evidence in his actions because we find him in the garden with a sword out trying to keep Jesus from drinking the cup, from doing the will of God, from saving the world. So his mind was still on the things of the devil to stop the will of God. And oftentimes you and I can take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we can think we're doing good for God, and we can be someplace clear away from God. Listen to me. Oftentimes we can take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we can use it and be against God and not even be doing the will of God. So be very careful to search your heart See, I think we need to be very careful and know that we need to surrender, that there's nothing good in us, and that our hearts are exceedingly wicked. Who can know them? Well, God is the one that knows them. He's the one that searches the heart. So it's very important to ask him to search us and know us, try us and know our anxious thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in us, and then lead us in your way everlasting. Notice the enemy is leading Jesus here. Notice they're leading Jesus from place to place. They're leading him around, and he is not fighting or resisting because he's going where he needs to go in order to get to the cross and lay his life down. And we should be led by the Spirit of God the same way. We should be going, following Jesus, and he's leading us to death. He's leading us to die to self and fulfill the will of God for our lives. But oftentimes we have selfish motives behind that. We selfishly have some plan that we have in sight, some place that we want to go, something that we want to do. We've already decided in our heart. And so we say, I'm following Jesus. I've got the word of God. I've carried my Bible. But we already have a plan. And then when something abrupt happens, we go, wait a minute. This is not God's plan. The enemy must be attacking. Listen, God is sovereign. God is sovereign in what he's doing. And he wants us to surrender to his work. Are you surrendering to his work or are you going to pull a sword out in the garden 
and go sword fighting and sword fighting really with Jesus instead of um, the devil because God is on the throne if you are his child. He's on the throne of your life. So they lead him away. Peter denied him this third time. But God will restore him when he comes back from the grave and rises again on the third day. So 28, 1828, we finish. Well, we're going to go into chapter 19, but we're finishing this leading away, and we're going to see a trial before Pilate. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or do others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered and said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly, I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the words that describe what happened on that night that you were betrayed. Lord, use it in our lives. All of us have felt betrayed, Lord. But we know that you willingly went to do the Father's will to save every soul that would believe. Thank you, Lord, for going through such suffering, an innocent man going through such suffering for us. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, back in verse 28. Then they led Jesus. Notice again, they're still leading him instead of following him. Are you leading Jesus in your life? You got a plan already? Think about it. It's very serious. If you're out front, you're in the wrong place. 
You need to be following close behind in the same way with Jesus, not leading him. And we're taught in our pride, in our arrogance, and in our, our lives to lead, to make plans, to be ready. What are you going to be when you grow up? What's your career plans? What's your Listen, follow, trust the Lord, walk by faith. He's got a perfect plan for you. They led Jesus from Caiaphas's. So we were at, at we we got nothing from the trial at Caiaphas's, and uh, the other three gospels cover it. Caiaphas means comely, or here's another word that it means: the dale. What? What's a dale? I looked it up in Webster's eighteen twenty eight. I wouldn't look words up in new dictionaries. Look them up in the old one. I always say that. You know that if you've been here. But a dale is, is a pit or a hollow place, a cavity or a narrow opening. And that's what Caiaphas means. We didn't get that um, any information from that. But they led him away from the dale, from that pit of Caiaphas's house. Because Caiaphas is not the real high priest. So it's not even given uh, what was said there because it's not important and now the other gospels they they list it for you read those and you can put them all together and where'd they go to the praetorium the praetorium really is just it's not the uh, true praetorium it's just a place where when Pilate would come down during the three festivals he would come down to Jerusalem and he'd have a little place where he did judgment at so the King James says hall of judgment. His true praetorium was in Caesarea where his house was. Little resort place. He liked to stay there. And that's where he stayed was in Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea means severed in case you wanted to know. It means severed. Uh, and so he was separated and severed from. But it's where the governor's courtroom was there in uh, Jerusalem. Kind of uh, just, just a little hall that he used. And uh, it was early morning did we read that yet and it was early morning but they themselves did not go to the praetorium lest they should be defiled but that they might eat the passover now this is something that we have to really look at for a moment because this is something that religion and legalism and your own plans will do for you if you are leading in your life instead of surrendering, you ever see those uh, stickers that say, my co-pilot is Jesus? Well, that's from the pit of hell. Jesus is the pilot. Jesus is the leader. Jesus, you're not even a co-pilot. What you're doing is following. You're dead. You're in the grave. They're leading, right? And when they get close to the place where the praetorium is at, they don't even go in. Why? Because in their own selfish life, they've already made their plans in their heart, and they're having an illegal trial, a mock trial. They weren't even allowed to have a trial that started in the same day, and we are the same day. If you remember, in the Jewish culture, the evening and the morning were the first day. So it starts at 6 at night, it ends at 6 at night. So we're just now probably at 6 in the morning. We're 12 hours into this. But 
they're having this illegal trial where they're trying to get Jesus to self-incriminate himself. They've struck him at Annas' house. Everything that they're doing is illegal to get him to trial because they've already concluded in their own separate trial that he's got to die, that they're going to kill him, right? And then they get there and they go, oh, don't go in there because we might get defiled and we won't be able to celebrate the Lord's Passover. So the very festival, remember it's Passover weekend, the very festival that looks forward to the Messiah coming, they want to celebrate. They want to keep on serving the shadow of things to come. They want to keep on serving the type of and what God gave them in the law to bring them to Christ, but they don't want to serve Christ. They don't want to bow down. They don't want to humble themselves and get low and admit that this is the Messiah, but they have no charges against him. Everything has been made up. And in their legalism, again, like I said, if you have your plans, you'll look at everybody else's sin. You'll see everything that might harm you, but you won't even deal with the sin that's already in your heart. Listen to me. They're not dealing with the murder that's in their heart. They're a murderer just like their father from the beginning, like the devil. They're actually going to murder Jesus just because he's a man that is drawing people to him and they can't speak against his wisdom. But then they go, wait a minute. We're getting ready to serve God at this Passover festival where we sit down and we remember the great deliverance of God. We remember God bringing us out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And yet in their heart, they're planning murder. To murder the very person, God himself, the son of God who would come and fulfill the Passover festival. You can read about it in Exodus 12 if you wanted to read about it. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The ones that they're getting ready to kill, the thousands of them that are being killed even at this moment in the temple for the Passover festival are just a type. And sadly, many Christians or many so-called Christians that say that they've come to Jesus and they've surrendered to Jesus are still trying to lead their own life. They're leading their own life and they've made up their own little religious parameters where I can do all of these things, but if I do that, oh my goodness, I won't be able to be holy with God. Remember Samson separated with a Nazarite vow? And the only thing he could even figure out in his mind that was left was he hadn't cut his hair. He'd already broken every other thing that he wasn't supposed to do. And the only thing he could figure out in his mind that God was still taking care of him for and he was still a judge of Israel was because he hadn't cut his hair. He didn't realize that it was a relationship. He didn't realize that it was God who was the strength behind his life. And so he had committed in his mind that it was his hair. As long as I don't cut my hair. And he played with that even. And told Delilah several different things. And then he finally said, if I don't ever cut my hair. And see, and God judged him with his own wisdom. But really, his strength was always with God and God's calling. And it's the same thing with us, whether we're following the law in the Old Testament, looking forward, or following the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God because we're children of God. It's not about your actions. It's about your heart. What are you planning in your heart? Is your heart planning to follow God? Or is your heart planning something else and setting up its own religious parameters? 
Or are you surrendering the heart to God so that the word can be planted in your heart and truth can dispel the lie of the wicked one and you can begin to follow truth? and be led by truth, and understand truth, and have a love relationship with truth. Because see, truth brings life. The lie, the deception, the religion always brings death. Always death. Death culture. That's what this is about. Either life with Christ or death culture. And we make a choice. Listen, we make a choice. God has made us free will agents. There's a free gift. There's free grace. It leads to freedom if you make the choice of life. There's freedom. There's liberty. We've been set free for freedom's sake to follow Jesus, not to keep making up our own plans. And these, they did not want to give up their power, their pomp, their prestige, they had met, they met, and if you go back and remember, they met and they counseled among themselves. They didn't bring God into it. And if you're counseling just with the, yourself or some other self and you don't bring what the truth is into it, you're always going to end up with a lie. That's the way the whole world is designed right now. That's the way all their sciences is designed. Everything is, is designed with a dichotomy, just two. And it's three, we're trichotomies. We're supposed to have God involved in our life. We're created spirit, soul, and body. And when we make the decision, then we become body, soul, and spirit, and our spirit comes last, and it gets fed last, and sometimes never gets fed at all because we grieve the Holy Spirit. If you listen to the earthly, central, demonic uh, wisdom of the world, it's in a dichotomy. It always leaves God out. So it's only just your, your, your soul and, 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 and your body. There's no spirit to it. What do you mean? We evolved out of monkeys. So they automatically start with a lie, and they're going to end up with a lie. So you have, you have a lie from the death culture, earthly, central, demonic wisdom, and they go, here, we'll help you, and they give you another lie. And you can't come out of darkness with lies. You can't have truth in there. So you have to bring God back into the equation to have light and life and truth in it. And once you have truth, now you can have fellowship with truth because truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes. Uh, but listen to me. Don't be deceived by thinking that you can make your own plans. You have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Well, what does that mean, Greg? That means I have to follow the altar and the finisher of my faith. That means I have to be led, not lead. I have to be led. Even if you're a leader in your home, you have to be led. You have to answer to somebody. You cannot love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her unless you're being led by the Spirit of God in how to do it. You need his wisdom, not earthly, central, demonic wisdom. I got a plan if I just do it like this and I make up this and I say this word and that word. If I do this thing, that's your plan. What's the Spirit saying to do? To love. Well, I don't know how to love. Exactly. Exactly. 
So you have to die. And in your garden, you have to let that seed be planted in your heart, and it grows fruit that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. You have nothing to give anybody unless you let that fruit grow up in you. You can do nothing to help anybody. Like Paul said, follow me while I follow Christ. He's being led by Christ. Nobody can follow you anywhere except to death unless you're being led by Christ and his word, his truth. How are you living today? Do you have some plans that you've made up and you don't want to go there? Can't go there. I'm not going to go back to that door. We can't touch that. We'll be unclean. We won't be able to take communion this week. Listen, I've, I've said this so many times. There's never a reason not to take communion. Now, I grew up in a church where a lot of people would not take communion because they were told, oh, don't take communion if you can't get right. Listen, that's what it's about is getting right, coming back into union, surrendering your heart to God. The only reason not to take communion is if you're saying, no, God, I hate you. I don't want to be in union with you. I don't want to rehearse my wedding vows because I'm not married to you, and I'm not willing to let you lead me. I'm on the throne. See, all about salvation is coming back to truth. What? Really? Yeah. What was planted in Eve's heart? A lie. Well, it was a 99% truth, but it was a 1% lie. And that 1% lie deviated from the truth enough to convince her that God was holding out. And then Adam said, well, I don't want to lose the woman. She's my helpmate that's comparable to me. I like her. I'm going to follow her instead of God. Wow, what a thing. The first lie on the planet in flesh and blood. But really, if you remember, Satan was the first lie. He coveted God's position. Isaiah 14 tells us, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Really? What did Jesus say? Not my will, but thy will. See the opposite? One brings death, one brings life but it's all a free will choice. You have a free will choice to accept a free gift which comes by free grace and produces freedom to follow Jesus. That's what it produces, freedom to follow Jesus. It puts you back in bondage if you don't choose in your free will with your free gift because of free grace to follow Jesus, you're just back in bondage to self. There has to be a surrender and an allowing in your garden to grow. See, that's what's going on. The same way that Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and Gethsemane uh, means a uh, press, and semony is semen. It's pressing the semen out or the Holy Spirit out, the life of God. The same thing happens in your garden. You have a free will choice in here. And sometimes pain and affliction and suffering and pressure. What decision do I make? Let it press out. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let it press you into saying, I can't do this. This garden of mine is growing death, and I want to have life. So I have to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and let the seed of God grow in my heart because nothing else is going to work. My plans lead to death. 
It presses out death because I begin with death. But if I begin with life, where all life comes from, it presses out his fruit that grows. Again, it looks like love, and that's the only thing we can do. Everything else is your own plan. Man, how many plans are going on? Culturanity is out of control. I know we call it the church, but it's not the real bride of Christ. Because we're all got our own little plans. We all made up our own little business plans for churches. And really, it's a personal thing. Because you are the church. You are the ecclesia. You are the called out ones. And by what you do makes you a part of the church. If you come out of the world and you allow God to chip away and fit you together with other people in fellowship, then you are part of the church that's building a holy house. But if you just say, I believe in Jesus, and you don't come out of the world, and you're not letting him chip away, and you're not being fitted together as a royal priesthood in a holy nation, then how can we claim to be the church? We're not even following God's plan or his will or his spirit. We're leading him still into building a church. And he says, listen, listen, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So whatever we do on our own, if we don't rest from our works, it's not building a church. It's not even taking care of our own soul, which has to be done first in order to lead anybody else. What is your plans? See, these guys are scared to death that they might be defiled and not be able to be religious. I'll be dirty if we go into that praetorium where the unclean Gentiles are at. This is the time of year, I don't know if you know, but this time of year, this is when they, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. This is that time of year where they would have all the servants go around and every grave, everything that was dirty or could make them unclean, they would get the brushes out and they'd be painting them really white. So that there was no way that they would ever touch that on the way to the Passover festival. They would never touch that during that week. Because if you touched it, you're unclean for seven days. And they had this form where they were trying to be clean to meet God. And yet they didn't just receive the free gift that come with free grace. That had freedom attached to it. If you just surrender. Probably have free power in there too, but um, I didn't throw that one in there. Power of God, the Holy Spirit to transform you. And they would have all of that going on so that they wouldn't touch anything. And it's interesting that it was white paint. It's interesting that they marked it with this, this whitest snow. The thing saying that Jesus was going to give them. Yet they're now going to kill him. Instead of accepting, they still had their, they were still on the throne. They were still making their own plans. They were still doing their own thing. If it wasn't for God just following his plan because Jesus knew what he was called for, he knew what he was here to do. He knew what they were going to do. And it's the same thing with me and you. But God was fulfilling his plan. It was the fullness of time. I mean, it isn't like this just happened abstractly. God told them it was going to happen. He told them what day it would happen on. And they followed through every bit of everything exactly like it was written. In fact, even you can go read later Psalms 22. You can read any of the prophecies. Cursed is him who hangs on a tree. Not cursed is him who was stoned with a rock. That's the way they killed people. 
In fact, when it was written, nobody even knew what a Roman cross was. Think about that for a minute. But death, that tree, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm sorry. I'll go all over the place for you. We'll get to here in a minute. I was thinking about this morning how Jesus, bringing life, hung on that tree, a tree that was dead, right? And it still bore fruit. And, it rem- and I was reminded of, of, of Moses, or excuse me, Aaron's rod that budded that was in the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, they, they said, you all bring out your rods, and then which one budge is the one that's the true one following God? And Aaron's rod that had been dead, it was his staff that he walked around with, had almonds growing on it. It's the same type. It's a picture of that, the, the, the dead tree that grows fruit. And that's the fruit that comes out of that cross. His life was hanging on it. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. We have to be attached to that vine that's growing life that God raised from the dead. Are you making your own plans? Are you scared that you might be unclean? Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you're not unclean. You're holy, you're righteous, you're a royal priesthood, you're his own special people, zealous for good works. Find out what your identity is in Christ and quit making your own plans. Lord, what did you call me for? Well, to do the natural and then he'll do the supernatural. Well, while I'm doing the natural, he will, you will wake up and you'll be walking in your gifting. But if you try to plan your gifting, well, I think my gifting is uh, the gift of receiving. So how come nobody's given to me? I am so frustrated. Nobody's given me anything, and my gift is the gift of sitting on my butt and receiving. Well, the gospel's about giving. Giving of our lives. Giving of everything. Giving ourselves away. Freely. Not with force. Listen, it's it's something that's so important, and he's going to say it here in a minute, and I'm probably just talking about what's going on in the text, but he says, my kingdom's not of this world. Because the kingdoms of this world do everything with force. Fear and force. And God's all free. Free will. Free gift. Free power. Free grace. Freedom. To follow. That's a whole bunch of F's, isn't it? To follow. To be in the way with Him. To be led by the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God. Everything else is bondage again. Everything else is bondage again. So be careful. Be sure that you're not making up your own little rules so you can keep being righteous. Because you have nothing you can do to be righteous other than believe in God's provision for the sin nature. And if you believe in God's provision, now you're righteous because He's righteous. You're holy because He's holy. They had their own little plans. We don't want to get defiled. we got to eat the Passover this weekend and continue to stand out in, the, in our culture and people will see us walking around eating the Passover and leading these big pomps and, and, and we'll write some books and we'll have some conferences and we'll do all these things except surrender to the Holy Spirit that's leading us onward and upward. That's, that's washing us and cleansing us, purifying us. We're not going to do that. Because that's somebody else's plan. That's the God's plan. 
That's the God plan. Positionally perfect, practically surrendering is the evidence that God is in your plan. So listen, now you got a, this is this is the it's it's, it's almost uh, stunning to watch. So here's the governor, Pilate, who bought his position from Rome, who is the government that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. And I'm not going to go too much into that. But Pilate, when they come and they don't go in, what does he do? Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? What's the charges? Now, many people believe they already had a conversation or why would this be going on like this? But listen. You're going to see several times in this chapter and in the next, Pilate going in and out. Literally, Jesus is over here in, and he comes out to talk to them because they won't come in. And you think, what's up with that? But he's going in and out, in and out, in and out. Because he's trying to please both sides. Listen, he knows if if he frustrates, he's there as the, the leader he's there as the governor he's there as the one that can tell them what to do but he knows if he frustrates them too much that Caiaphas the mafia boss will tell Rome and Rome will just get rid of him his position is bought Rome doesn't care nothing about him he's a useful idiot but he has to keep the peace so he's got some soldiers he wants everything to be to be quieted down And again, like I said, as he goes in and out, we know that he's already had a conversation because in the garden, Jesus was arrested with Roman troops. He had to to know in order to order them to go and go with these temple guards and arrest them. It had to all be already planned out. But we're not given that, and I need to be careful going into that. So Pilate, um, which means... (laughs) Pilate means close, pressed, or firm. Biblical usage is he's armed with a spear. That's, that's what biblical usage says his name means. Now, all I know is, is that Gethsemane is the press, and he's closing the press. And it's going to be firm, and then he's going to, then he's, his name means the spear. Listen, his name means and I'm just I'm just walking this through. His name means um, armed with a spear. So even though he's being he's being this governor, even though they're going in and out, even though this battle's going on in the flesh about who's in power and who's struggling to be the head, and there's two sides. You know, in the religious community, there's Pharisees and Sadducees. But right now, with the religious community in the world, then there's the Roman government. And the Sanhedrin being led by whoever is bringing him over there, which is probably the high priests. And so you have two sides. But notice this, that at the end of the day, the spear is going to pierce his side. And that's when the blood and water meet. And that's when death is confirmed and he died for the sins of the world. And God's using all of these people, no matter what their plan is, there's no wisdom or counsel against God. 
There's none. All of them are involved in this. They think they've got their own plan. They think they're, they're being motivated by their own intellect and motivated by their own plan and by their own party and their own thing. But they're all being used by God to bring them all to the center of God's perfect will. And that is that there would be a sacrifice that would set free anybody who would believe in it and be able to freely choose this free gift, this free grace, this free power, this free life of freedom to follow him and love him because he first loved us, which blows my brain away. But he's in control, guys and gals, of your life and my life and every life. And all he wants you to do is turn to him. All he wants you to do is acknowledge him and begin to follow him. And then you'll be able to enjoy the perfect life that he created for you. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be without battles and fights and anxiety. And, and these are all things you begin to deal with as you walk by faith and learn that he knows what he's doing. Today is my 26th anniversary. I'll probably start crying. Every time I think about it, I start to cry. But God knows what he's doing. Perfectly. Perfectly. Perfectly knows what he's doing. And you can trust him, even when it hurts. So, Rome, I mean, much of our jurisprudence system, or if not all of it, comes out of Rome. Comes from Rome. They're very serious about, about what they did, and they were serious about what, their laws and how they wrote them and stuff. And so, he says, what are the charges? It's not their custom to do anything to a man without charges, without a trial, without finding him guilty. So that's all he's doing is trying to, even though he's a very crooked, illegal guy, he's just trying to go through the motions of what Rome would want. And he says, what's the accusation? The complaint, it's actually the word where we get the word category from. What category is he placed in? Huh? Yeah, because the cross was for the worst category of all. The worst criminals against Rome, that's what they that's how come they had to suffer so much. That decided your punishment and that decided how you would die, not just if you would die. And the cross was the cruelest. So what category are you classifying him as? What's the accusation that you're laying forth, you're bringing forward? You're carrying to us as you turn him over to me. Then they answered, verse 30, this is what the religious people who had a plan and they're trying to hurry up and get done. Remember, they're the ones that said, don't do it on the Passover weekend. But he was the Passover lamb. It had to be done on God's timetable. They didn't want to do it. We know who's in control. The same one that was in control at his arrest is in control of the planet. And he had to die on this day. Listen to their charge. If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Really? That's the charge? Our opinion? We've decided? 
Be careful. That's where death culture goes. When you have your flesh and not God's word, and you have all you have is flesh, and you have you've been watching TV all day, and you've decided that this is what's going on, and you leave God out, you'll be an angry man. You'll be ready to kill something. You'll be mad at somebody. You'll say somebody has to pay for this. But when you're spending time with God and listening to His Word, you'll understand that judgment's already been taken. And now we're trying to hand out the free gift, the free grace, the free power, the freedom, because we have free will. We're not looking to blame somebody, which is good old-fashioned sin and what the devil wants us to do. Jesus already took the blame. This is a great thing to test our hearts. If he were not an evildoer, a malfactor. I think that's how that word said. said. Notice it's male factor, malfactor. Not a they factor. It's a male factor. That means a bad doer. I, listen, I'm not making this stuff up. I looked it up in the, in the, in the Strong's. A malfactor is a bad doer. <laughs> that's just what, he does bad. That's what he does. That's what they're saying. He's a criminal. He's doing evil things. <clears throat> well, like, name one. Remember, they, they asked him to incriminate himself at Annas' house, and he said, I taught openly to the whole world. Call some witnesses. Bring some witnesses out here of something that I've done against anybody. And they couldn't produce anybody. If you actually do a study of this, at least, it's probably 10 times you can find uh, in the four Gospels and the book of Acts has one. But I think it's 10 times that he's pronounced innocent by the world. Oh, not by the Jews, not, not by the ruling authorities. He's already an evildoer. We wouldn't have brought him here. We wouldn't have said a word. We'd have left him alone if he wasn't a bad doer, a malefactor. Just take care of him, Pilate. He's a bad doer. You ever, you ever come to that conclusion and then they later realize, oh, wait a minute. I think I was looking at them or they or it in the wrong frame of mind. No, nobody ever does that. You don't ever come, just put people on trial and become the judge and jury and hangman, do you? <clears throat> and then decide later that, whoa, wait a minute, maybe that was a little harsh. That was a little too fast. I think I want some grace and mercy here. So they did, their excuse was, we wouldn't have delivered him, surrendered him, committed him to prison, recommended him to you if he wasn't an evildoer. And then look at 31, what Pilate says. Pilate, the press, said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. So he's saying, I, I don't see any reason. I don't see any charges. If you don't have any, because the Roman, they needed to have charges. Therefore, the Jews said, look at their answer. It's 31b. It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. We're going to stop there, but look at Listen, what are they saying? 
We've already concluded that he needs to die. Remember, we've seen this. We were, we're privy to this. Prior to that, of John writing this, prior to it being written down in the Bible, nobody knew that they already had this meeting, and they concluded that one had to die for the nation so that they wouldn't lose their place. Remember that? I think it's John 11. But they just showed the intents of their heart. They showed everything. And they also exposed a lot of things. They exposed their own lies of their heart. Remember when they said, we're not in bondage to anybody back in chapter 8 to Jesus? Well, well, yeah, you are. You just exposed it. Because see, when they became under bondage and Roman rule, Rome took their ability to stone anyone to death, which was their capital punishment. Rome took it from them and said, you can't just kill anybody. You have to bring them to us. So they had no right because they were under bondage to kill anybody. But now the intents of their heart have been exposed and they said, no, we can't take him and judge him ourselves because we can't kill him. That's why we brought him to you. But at the same time, isn't it fulfilling prophecy? Because Jesus told them several times, maybe six times, maybe seven, that they were going to Jerusalem and he was going to be... um, crucified and on the third day he would rise but i think it was one time when is it uh luke 18 at least one time you get the other details of that where he didn't just say uh uh, betrayed arrested mocked and spit on and died but he says turned over to the gentiles and again the prophecies is not stoning the prophecies is cursed is he who hangs on a tree so all of these things are coming true right at this and yet if you don't really look at it through the whole lens of the bible you just think you got some crazy chaos thing going on to hurry up and quickly get this done so that they can go ahead and serve god how many things are in your life right now that you're trying to rush through push through press out get finished with so you can go ahead and serve god Listen, there's a principle in the Bible. You have to go through them. And when you're going through them, you need to learn who's on the throne and you need to learn patience in it. And you need to go through them looking to God and say, this hurts, but we have to go through it to get to the other side. And if you don't, you'll be like a buddy of mine who went through job after job after job after job because he was always pointing at the boss and didn't realize that he had three fingers pointing back at him and God was dealing with his heart, not the boss's heart. And so he would go from job to job to job and blame it on everybody else. That's what you do in life. The same way Eve said it was the devil. Or excuse me, first Adam said it was that woman you gave me. And then that woman said it was the devil. And if you're blaming all of your problems on some fear, some, some, you're blaming it on somebody else instead of surrendering to God who is in control of everything then you're still just living in a good old-fashioned self-plan where you're trying to get through something and knock it out of your life and get it out of your life so you can go have some fun, but you're not trying to get to heaven. You're not trying to be holy. You're not understanding that it's your sin. You're not comprehending that God wants to deal with your garden, your heart, and plant His seed in you and, 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 and wash you and cleanse you and clothe you and make you ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb individually. And that's what we're supposed to be witnesses of. 
and we become horrible witnesses because we become impatient and rude and and everything else. Now listen, nothing I'm saying is to shame me or shame you or to make us guilty or not. It's to open eyes, to open blind eyes. This is what the Word of God does. When you come face to face with it, you're in darkness and light shines into the room. You go, whoa, that's what's going on in my life? Yeah, and all you can do now is choose to free will, to choose to freely receive the wisdom and freely receive the gift and freely ask God to help you walk in grace and freely admit that you were the one, you're the man, and you don't want to keep making the plans. And then freedom will come because Christ already died to set you free. It's inherent in the gift. It's the inheritance. So you can run this race freely without fear of penalty. You take him. So their entire hearts were exposed that they had the plan of we need to get him killed so we can celebrate. We don't want to touch any of this even though we're breaking every law of God and ignoring God, we're going to be celebrating legalistically this Passover. Which really pointed to the exact thing that's going on. Isn't that amazing? I can't go into it, but other gospels lay it out more clearly. The Passover festival and every rule, they follow every rule of it and the days of it. Get the other tapes. 32, the commentary, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Now, I've already given you all of that, that that's what was doing. It's, it was totally satisfied. That's what the word pleroma there with fulfilled means. It's totally satisfied. It's cram full that every prophecy, everything that Jesus has said, everything that God has ever said, it's fulfilled. And the fact that he would say by what death he would die being turned over to the Gentiles, not being hit with stones, but a tree, and life would come out of it, out of his death, and that dry tree would grow fruit because one chose to fall to the ground and die, and then we are supposed to follow that pattern. 33, then Pilate entered the praetorium again. Notice he's going back in. He's talked with them. He's at the judgment hall, or he's outside the judgment hall. Now he goes back into the judgment hall. And he called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? See, he's starting to, I mean, he wants to get rid of this. And the other, if you read the other gospels, you see it much clearer. He's like wanting to get rid of it. I think even his wife had a, had a dream and said, have nothing to do with this just man. And he's he's trying to and, and he eventually washes his hands of it. He says, my, my hands are clean of this. This is all upon you condemning this just man. It's because he doesn't want to get turned into Rome and lose his job. He doesn't want to lose his money. They're worried about losing their nation and their power. And he's like, I don't want to make them mad that they have a big insurrection right now. Then the Roman government will fire me. So he's worried about his power and his place. And that's what happens when you're worried about self. You won't do what's right and choose life. If all you're doing is self and sin and Satan, you're going to always choose death. So if you choose death right now and die and allow life to be birthed in you, then you can begin to follow God. You can begin to follow life and light 
and have liberty or freedom if you go back to the F's uh, because that's what it is. We've been set at liberty. So he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says to him, now notice this again, the Sanhedrin, Annas and Caiaphas, they broke all the rules of trial. And now you have Pilate breaking the rules of trial that the Roman government would set down because now he's asking him to self-incriminate himself again. There's no accusation. There's no charges. And yet, he's, he, he, we just find out that they want him to die. This is the conclusion that they've come to. And, and, and now he wants him to also self-incriminate himself. When Jesus answered, he said, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Okay, he's saying, is there witnesses? Again, call witnesses. But notice who's on trial. I don't know if you guys have noticed this as you read all of this. It's, it's not Jesus who's on trial. Jesus is going as a lamb to the slaughter, willingly going to the cross. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. Romans didn't kill Jesus. Jesus came for this purpose to die. It's all of them that's on trial. It's you and me that's on trial. We're the ones in the courtroom deciding, is he the king of the Jews? Is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Is he the Messiah? Did he, can he save my soul? Can he get me across the finish line? Every day you're on trial to make a decision for self and sin and Satan or for God. And that's why we have to change our mind. If we continue to follow sin or self or Satan, we're following the mind of the Antichrist the same way Peter was. That's why he allowed Peter to deny him three times, to strike him and humble him and bring him low with chastisement because he knew on the other side Peter would give a sermon and 3,000 people would get saved. He knew what he wanted to do with Peter when he announced, your name is no longer Simon, but Peter. See, Simon means heard or hearing, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and Peter means rock, and he's anything but a rock. He's building on sand, but when you get over into the book of Acts after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, after Jesus' his death, burial, and resurrection, after him becoming a witness to it, he's a rock or a little pebble. He's a chip off the old block is what they typically say because Jesus is the rock. And it doesn't mean that he lived life perfectly. It just means that he put his heart toward home and he said, no, no. And then when, and when he died, they say that he said, no, you cannot crucify me the same way as my Lord. Crucify me upside down the way I lived most of my life till I met my Lord. And they crucified him upside downward. Upside down. I always say upside downward, amen. It's, it's redundant, but it's fine. So call the witnesses. I'm not going to um, self-incriminate myself. We are on trial. Pilate finds himself on trial. But he doesn't know that it's not just that he's on trial for his job in Rome. It's his soul. His soul is on trial. Standing before the Son of God, the Messiah. And so Pilate says, and 35, am I a Jew? 
your own ethnos, your own nation, and the chief priests, your leaders, the Sanhedrin, have delivered you to me. What have you done? Self-incriminate. You give me a charge. They won't give me one. Isn't that crazy? Think about how, how corrupt all of this is. Give us something to charge you with. I think it's amazing that you see when Paul gets saved, who was a Roman citizen, when Paul gets saved, he goes through this same type of trial. Why? Because he became Christ-like. He was following Jesus. Paul, do not be afraid. In the same way you testified here, you're going to have to testify in Rome. He wasn't afraid. He knew the will of God. He knew what he was called to do. He knew that wherever he was at, he was in the center of God's will because he was trying to save souls. He was witnessing to Jesus the Christ. <coughs> he goes through the exact same thing. They try to kill him. They can't kill him. They got him in jail down in Caesarea. And they go, well, what's, he wants to go to Rome. What's the charges? I don't know. What's the charges? And then Bernice and him come down. They go, he goes, hey, I got this one prisoner since you're here. I'm trying to figure out some charges. He's appealed to Rome. I got to send him to Rome. I can't send him to Rome without a charge. So I'm going to let him talk to you guys. Oh, we've been wanting to hear from him. Think about that long and hard. Everybody wants to hear from the Messiah. And now the witnesses of the Messiah, they want to hear, but they don't want to make a decision. They're on trial. Everybody's on trial that hears truth. And yet the enemy has convinced us not to talk about truth. Even in the church. Don't talk about truth. Don't do that to people. Don't, don't, I mean, don't go in and just ruin people's day by talking about Jesus. Just be quiet and be friendly to them. And they'll come to Jesus. They'll just know through osmosis that you are a Christian because you're so nice. Listen, nice people are going to hell. A whole lot of nice people are going to hell because they do not know Jesus Christ. And he's the only way to get out of hell. There's no other way. Listen to me. We have to speak the word of God to people. And yes, we should do it in love. We should speak the truth in love. But, but, and I know some people will say, and I would say, any truth is love because it's more than the lie you've been getting. But you still want to do it in a way where you're presenting it according to the Holy Spirit, with compassion, with mercy, with grace. Always, always laced with grace because we... God was gracious to us. He was merciful to me, a sinner. He was long-suffering to me. Even Christ, he knew what he was doing. He knew everything. He didn't go, shut up and get saved. He met them where they were at, and he shared with them in love, and he told them perfect truth of the kingdom of God. And then they had a free will, and they could make a free choice of the free gift And choose freedom or choose death, blessing or cursing, whichever one you want to choose. Me and my house, we will choose the Lord our God. So he says, am I a Jew? Notice two different rulers too. Jesus said, I am. And Pilate says, the one standing ready with the sword drew am I a Jew? What have you done?
What is your transgression of the law? 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from here. Now notice, he went from king to kingdom. Because you know what? If you're in the kingdom of God, then Jesus is king. He's king wherever you let him be, and it's his kingdom. The other parts of it's going to be judged. He went to kingdom, his rule, his reign, his realm, his royalty is not of this world. Now, be, be careful not to twist that in some way that would uh, become alarming to your faith or something, because uh, he is going to rule for a thousand years on this earth. And I, I don't know all the tenses and stuff, but he's really saying that this is not the way my kingdom is run. There's a, there's a real intent behind this. In other words, your force, your fear is not the way my kingdom's run. Your politics is not the way this is done. I've come to die. I've come to die to save the world. <clears throat> and you've came to conquer the world. When he dies... He pays for all the sin and we become conquerors when we die with him. Because when you believe him, you die with him. If you believe Jesus and you don't die, you're not really believing Jesus. His kingdom is not force. It's free will. It's a death, a voluntary death. If you go back and look at the text when he's talking about this and, he, and he's talking about what he's going to do and what they're going to do to him and he's freely going there as the Lamb of God, the very next text in Luke in 9.23, he says, and if anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself and follow me. So it, it's part and parcel of the same thing. He's going to die and if you believe it, you're going to die. You choose freely. We're born dead. We believe in Jesus, we come to life, and then we choose to die to self and the old nature and live for him. And that's the only time we're ever going to be uh, what people would call happy or blessed, where you can rest and have peace and joy in knowing that you are in the center of God's will. This is what he called me for. Oh, but disaster has happened. Well, to the world, it looks like disaster. But in God's kingdom, it's working out for you. A perfect glory. Disaster has happened. Jesus was killed. He's the Messiah. Everybody flee. Hide inside. That's what happened with the disciples. Oh, we were thinking that he was the Messiah and he was going to set the nation free. And, and, and then he was crucified, and today has been the third day, and some of our party has come and said that, that the tomb is empty. It's on the road to Emmaus. Think about it for a minute. They think disaster has happened, and the will of God has happened perfectly. Think about it. This is the way we think sometimes. What happened in my life? Disaster. No, the will of God is being perfectly worked out to lead you to the finish line if you'll surrender to it. If you'll ask God for wisdom from it, if you'll stop fighting against it and saying, I have the right, we have a constitution in this America. 
Well, my Bible is my constitution. The Word of God, the commandment in tole, the prescriptive Word of God. It's an authoritative prescription for my life. It came long before any constitution. And I'm not picking on a constitution. I'm just saying, if that becomes your marching orders, you're in trouble at the heart of your Christian walk because now you've entered into a physical piece of paper and a physical life and a physical battle and a political battle, and this is not his kingdom. He just said, if it were, my people would fight. My servants would fight. My ministers would fight. And I wouldn't be delivered over to the Jews who just delivered me to you and can't even make a charge. And now you're asking me to get come up with the charge. It's funny, I got my record expunged uh, uh, about three years ago. And we filed all the paperwork and I had taken my stuff to the lawyer so he could file it all. And, and then he, a couple of days later, after he gave it all back to him, he calls me, he goes, hey, can you bring those transcripts back? Because the prosecution doesn't have no idea why you were in prison. And they want to see the transcripts so that they would know. That's, that's basically what they're saying to him. Hey, you've been delivered up. We're going to kill you. But could you tell us why we're killing you? Well, because this is death culture. You're underneath the sway of the wicked one. You're living according to your own sin, self, and Satan. And you've got a plan and you think you're on the throne. But really, I'm standing here and you're on trial and I'm truth before you. And you don't even know me. So he could have gave him a charge. None righteous, no, not one. The whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. I just thought it was funny. I took my transcripts back. I had no problem with it. Sure, I, I, I'm guilty. I had a three-day trial, but now I'm fessing all the way up. You got me. It was over with. But they didn't even have any idea. Now, I think that maybe somewhere in some back room on a microfilm somewhere, if they could have found the right box, they could have found what my charges were and all that stuff. But it was easier if they just go, hey, can you bring it back? Well, sure. Listen, notice this very clearly because it hasn't changed. God's an unchanging God. If his kingdom, if his rule, if his realm, if his reign was of this world and the political system of force and fear and fighting, then his servants would fight. And he has not called us to fight. The very thing that Peter tried to do and cut Malchus's ear off, which was a physical sword trying to cut. Malchus means king or kingdom, right? And that's what we're dealing with right here is the true king and the true kingdom. Now there's a kingdom and a king that's underneath. The, it's, 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 the, it's the Antichrist kingdom, Babylon, Chaldeans. Listen to me. And Peter, instead of listening to God, is trying to kill it in the garden with a physical sword in a fight. And Jesus has said, that's not the way we're doing it. We're just going to speak truth. That's how you kill a lie. That's how you defeat a liar. You just speak truth. You live truth. You walk out truth. You tell people of truth. You lift up truth. You lay up truth in heaven. You look up to find truth and get your answers. And that'll kill death culture. Oh, it might not look like it's dying, but God's already told us it's going to get worse and worse until he judges. He'll take those that are lifting it up home. It's going to get worse and worse. If you refuse truth, listen, 
how could it ever do anything except keep getting more and more lies? Think about it. It started out one lie. God's holding out on you. And now we're in the 21st century and they don't even know that there's male and female. Think about it. Look how bad it's gotten from God's holding out on you. That's where he started at. But he admitted there was a God. The devil knows there's a God. He knows he's going to be judged by God. He just says he's holding out on you. And now people who serve the devil won't even admit there's a God. But the devil knows he's real. And then it goes all the way to delusion. And there's what, 75, 78 different genders? And I don't think there's a rational person on the planet that would ever believe that. Whether you know Jesus or not, you can't be rational enough to believe that. I'll get back to that. Notice. Notice they don't fight. The only fight that you have right now is in your Garden of Gethsemane. Your fight to be dead and allow the Holy Spirit to be alive in your life and lead you onward and upward. That's the only fight you have in your life. You're fighting for who's on the throne. And if you make that decision, you can begin to follow Jesus. And every once in a while, your flesh will rear its ugly head and you just kick it right in the face and put it right back in the grave. And, 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 and as you're putting some shovel of dirt on it, hit it again in the face with a shovel and just keep it down because it's going to lead you to death. That's the only thing the flesh can do is death. Nothing good dwells in the flesh. We have to get this in the gospel. Jesus did it for us so that we would know how to do it. And he was innocent. But while he was doing it innocently, he took all of our sins. And now all of us that are sinners, believing in him, we're going to where he was at, innocence. We're going to be seated with him. Positionally, we are. We're going to rule and reign with him. If we overcome, we can be seated on his throne as he overcame and sits on his father's throne. Galatians 3.21 how do you do it? Or excuse me, Revelation 3.21. How do you do it? Revelation 3.22. He who has the ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And in your garden, in your Gethsemane, you're dying. You're burying yourself and allowing the fruit of life to come up. You're burying all of your death and your fruit of life is coming up in your garden, in your heart, in the middle of you. And you can be led through this life doing the will of God for the glory of God. But please take note that he says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight because they're stirring people up to fight a physical battle over these United States. And we're here to save souls. That's it. Yeah, but Greg, you know, if you elect the right people, you'll be able to actually keep preaching the gospel and save souls. Really? Who told you that lie? The only side to be on is Jesus' side. Every other side is on the devil's side. There's only two minds, and everything is about metanoia. Repent, change your mind, change your direction. You'll change your destiny. You'll change your eternity when you change your mind and stop living 
according to sin and self and Satan. It has to be putting on the mind of Christ. We've all been trained. We're born dead. We've been trained by the original liar, the original deceiver, and, and we're going to stay dead until we stop listening to self. The only good self is a dead self. That's good for your self-esteem. Good. Die. The problem is we have too much self-esteem. And we think that it's all about us. So Pilate changes his question. Because Jesus gave him a little hint, right? If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Oh, I didn't even tell you that, did I? Fight is a struggle. It's, it's, it's agonismi. It's literally to compete for a prize, to contend with an adversary. It means to endure with strenuous zeal. His servants are, are this. Listen to this. Servants here is the word minister, but it means a rower, an under rower. Now think about this just for a minute. The under rower. Remember the heave ho. Where were they at? They're in the belly of the ship. They're in the ship. They're in the vessel. They're in the fellowship underneath. But, the but everybody sees the boat. But the power comes from inside. They vote where they're all going, heave, ho, they're under oarsmen. That's what he's calling his servants, those that are in the fellowship, those that are in and doing the work that keeps the boat afloat. I think that's funny. So he changes his question, 37. Are you a king then? Isn't it funny that you have this really tough Roman uh, uh, governor that, that you know, you just think that it, it's supposed to be much worse than this. And now he's on trial himself. He doesn't know what to do. He's trapped between a rock and a hard place. He's got an innocent man. He wants to set him free. He pronounces him innocent. He pronounces him. He's going in and out. He's running back and forth to both different places. And he doesn't know what to do. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. I was conceived. And for this cause I have come into the world. What cause, Greg? That I should bear witness, martyreo, to what? To the truth. Isn't that cool? To be a witness. He was born to be a witness of the kingdom of God, the truth that's in God's heart. To give evidence, to give testimony. As he walked, he was living truth. Everyone, 37C, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Should I read that again? Everyone who is of the truth Here's my voice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everyone who is of the truth, hears my phoneo, my phone. They hear my call. They hear what I'm saying. They hear the tone that comes from me. They hear my voice. 
They comprehend it. They understand it. They don't just give audience. See, because you can be a hearer and not a doer and deceive yourself. They give audience and then they understand and then they comprehend it and they go and do it. We might not do it perfectly, but the intent of hearing is to walk out our faith, to grow our faith, to make us move forward following our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's not just to listen to. We come here to be equipped. We come here to be washed and cleansed. We're in the Word of God, prayer, and fellowship so that we can become more like Christ, that we're killing the weeds in our heart and we're growing the fruit so that we can go be martyreos, just like he was, a witness, give testimony to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Interesting, huh? Well, what does Pilate say to that? Verse 38, what is truth? What a question. What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. He's innocent. Listen to me. Are you still in a place where you say, what is truth? Are you still guessing, wondering, and worrying what is truth? Listen to me. Very important. Truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He just said right here, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Guess what? Pilate didn't hear it. He said, what is truth? He's not hearing his voice. If we're still in indecision about what truth is, anywhere, listen, listen, you don't have to be in any indecision. Lord, what do you got to say on that matter? Okay, that's what I'm doing. We just dealt with this Friday night about being double-minded. James says you're double-minded. That's where wars and all this stuff comes from among us is double-mindedness. We hear the truth and we go, no, nah, I think I'd rather live the lie because I like sin and self and Satan. I'm not changing my mind. I'm going to be double spirited is what it's called. In other words, you're listening to both spirits and you can't be happy. All you're going to do is be depressed. You're going to be upset if you can't, you cannot live in both worlds. You have to make up your mind that Jesus is truth. And no matter what he says, no matter what he allows, no matter what's going on, you're going to keep following him. Oh, it might hurt, there might be tears, there might be pain, there might be suffering, but I'm, I'm going to allow God to use that as a trophy of grace, as a testimony, as a witness, as evidence, so that other people can come to salvation. What is truth? Do you know what truth is? In fact, truth is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God sent His Word to heal the land sanctify them with truth your word is truth john 17 17 everywhere you look and truth is standing right in front of them are you king are you king what did you do against your own nation spoke the truth i came to bear witness of the truth truth incarnate because truth kills the lie. Truth 
destroys the death culture. Death culture is in lies. The devil is the father of all lies. The devil is a murderer from the beginning. Everything the devil does, he does from his own resources so that he can kill everything about God. And truth opens up light. Truth exposes who he is. What is truth? No believer should ever wonder what truth is. If God said it, it's true. There is no lie in him. So he says, I find no fault in him. I had a thing written up. Let me look. What time is it? Yeah, I might have a couple minutes left. I wrote up this page the other night or the other day. Again, there's a famine for the word of God. So there's a famine for truth. And that's why you see so many lies on the horizon. That's why you see such huge lies. You know, if you, I think about the world and everything that they put on the TV and the things that they're trying to say. And I used to, you know, we used to tell people that would say stuff like, hey, you're a pathological liar. We would just tell them because they would just try to make you believe anything <clears throat> that they said. <clears throat> you don't believe me? Seriously, I did. You're a pathological liar. You just think that if you say it, people will believe it. That's what the world's doing. That's what the devil's doing. And, if, and my people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the word of God. Knowledge of life. Knowledge of what God's doing. Knowing and understanding it. And it can only be understood by the spirit of God. Yet when we're living in sin and self and Satan and we continue to say, I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe I should just keep living the way I want, pursuing what I want and doing what I want. I don't think that God will provide for me because I was starving last week. That's because you was living for yourself last week. That's you're living on your own resources. And God's trying to get you to surrender that and cry out to him. Truth is a person. I just wrote this down. It's not a big deal, but I just thought I'd share it with you. Uh, when you look at everything in the world, advertisers lie about everything. They're allowed to now. They can lie and misrepresent everything. I, I do hard floors at work, and, and I, I buy this stripper to do wax floors. And it, it says, no scrub stripper. That's the name of it. No scrub stripper. And then you go, wow, that's cool. We don't have to scrub this. And the first instruction is, uh, apply to floor liberally, leave for 10 minutes, then scrub. Serious. Been on the market for years. I mean, to me, that's the biggest lie on the planet. But it's good stripper, so I keep using it. Foods lie about what's in the contents. Banks lie about and you say, oh, no, they don't lie. I'm a banker, and we're not lying. No, you just disguise everything, and you twist it around, and this APR is really not that APR, and, and if I don't have an accounting degree, I can't understand what you're saying. If you ever bought a house and you just signed it without reading the paperwork, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have any idea. i got to trust them. Well, they just sold you a house that was only worth half what they sold it to you for. And you're going to pay the other half for 30 years and they never invested no money in it. 
They didn't pay a dime in it. Sorry. Mortgage is a death grip. That's what it means, death grip. Bondage. We all have them. Most people do anyway. Pharmacy companies, drug companies. Nobody has to say anything. But they're allowed to say whatever they want. Oh, there's truth in disclosure. As they scroll in the fine print and tell you, ask your doctor today if you're suffering from this. And then the fine print, every, every other thing that can happen to you and side effect is rolling over here. But you're thinking, myopically, I got to get this problem fixed. And, and you know what? If I, can quit, if I can quit flickering my eyes, I'll put up with uh, being on the pot all day long. I'll put up with my arm hurting and my neck hurting as long as I just don't flutter my eyes all the time. I better get some of that stuff. Listen, it's a subterfuge. It's a lie. What about God? I'm not trying to even be funny. It's chaos. The news. Listen, the news is all lies. No, come on. Fox News knows what they're... It's all lies. They have an agenda. They have a power. They have a place. They have a nation. They want people in the office in the places where they want them so they can get there prestigious treatment and become known and become more powerful protect their people it's all special interest groups they'll say anything if you give them a dollar when i was growing up newscasters didn't make millions of dollars a year they probably made about what school teachers do and they got on there and just told the news they just got on there and said today a car crashed into a pole it fell Alcohol was not suspected. And there you go. Today it would be one-time front-runner in the politics. He voted for it and he donated money too. And they would tell you everything about it to sway your opinion someplace. I mean, it's all lies. I'd tell you, shut it off. I'd tell you, I mean, that would be the best thing. Shut off the lies and turn on your Bible. Pick it up, open it up, turn it on. Pick it up, open it up, start reading it. Start getting some truth. You'll lose the anxiety. You use, lose the depression. You'll lose all of the chaos as light floods into your dark garden. Then you'll be able to grow fruit because you'll be having the sun shine down on the seed. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. And it'll grow some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And you'll be able to hear the voice of God, the voice of truth. And you'll be able to say, you know what? I don't want to hear all that noise. That's a bunch of fighting and force and fear. I'm free will. I have free gift and free grace and free power that set me freedom. Real freedom, not a constitutional freedom that, that men were still strangling you out the whole time because they were still doing their thing. Sorry. And we know that babies begin at conception, right? When we lie, babies die. Right? We know there's only two sexes. When we lie, children die. Children are affected. Because this, the, the next generation's growing up with these lies. 
the next generations growing up with these lies, they're going to die. We know that America's dead, right? See, we have to know that unless we lie. Look at the stuff that we're feeding our soldiers. We let some foreign country that hates us make the medication for them and make their stuff for them, their bandages. We're dead. We have a bunch of liars running the country. I'm serious. What is truth, Pilate would say? America is dead. We couldn't win a battle anywhere. And I know they'll lie to you and say, no, no, we are the strongest. It's a lie. You can't go into the service and, and, and preach CRT and take out every bit of training for weaponry and start teaching classroom school books so that people will believe that there's more sexes and all the things that they're doing and keep people ready for battle. You have to go in and practice warfare and practice fighting and practice with the weapons to have a strong army. Everybody knows that. You lie and a country dies. Oh, we're spending all this money on weaponry. No, you're not. You're spending all that money in your own pockets and you've appropriated it for our army, but you send it off some other way and you steal it because you're a liar. Listen, this is all true stuff, but most people have a big problem with it. The, po the point of all of these lies is to show you that the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. They're all a bunch of liars only looking out for sin and self and Satan. And they're not walking in the light as he is in the light and having fellowship of one another. Truth is what we want to look at. Everything else will depress you. When I, when I even wrote this down, I was depressed about it. I'm like, it's so sad that people still believe all these lies when God clearly tells us it's not true. They don't just believe them. They're burning cities down to, to enforce them. They're changing the Constitution to enforce them. See, the Bible doesn't change. But as, as society changes, morality changes. God's morality doesn't change because He doesn't change. Listen to me, I'm serious. Whatever societal norms are becomes the truth in a matter. Becomes the, the, the gauge that measures a matter. Legalizing marijuana. Drugs. Legalizing everything. It's because we're dead. And we're letting demons run the place. And there's nothing you can do. Perilous times are coming. Bible declares it. What's the answer for it? Scripture, all Scripture, it makes you wise for salvation, wise to be delivered from the sin nature. All Scripture is inspired by God, or God breathed, and is profitable. Wait a minute, I was checking my prophets today. It's profitable for doctrine that's teaching you how to live. For reproof, that's conviction and telling you when you're not living how doctrine's supposed to be. Correction. That gives you the answer of light and truth of how to do it so you're following doctrine. For instruction, more training in right living before God, righteousness. Why, Greg? So that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work to do the will of God. Because there's no good works except with God. 
What's that, Greg? It's, it's proclaiming truth so that souls can be saved because then, then they have a free will to choose free gift and free grace and free power and freedom instead of living in bondage of lies. How did we get in this place? Eve believed a lie and it put the whole planet in bondage. Truth came incarnate. And when you change your mind, you're set free. No force. He's a gentleman. No fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. What is truth? We know that there's no Santa Claus. We lie, people die. We know that bunnies don't lay eggs. We lie, people die. But just a little white lie, there's no such thing. Did you see what just happened there? White is what Jesus turns us. But they took it over into the kingdom of darkness and said, just a little white lie. And they disguised a lie. Even the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light. A white lie is a lie. He's the father of all lies. In God, there is no lies. We know that there is a God and a creator. The whole earth testifies of it. Everywhere you look, design is there. We lie. We evolved. We lie. We die. That's how death comes. It's death culture. Death culture. Jesus is the truth. What is truth? Are you still struggling with truth? Listen, you ain't going to walk by faith if you're struggling with truth. You ain't going to follow Jesus if you're struggling with what truth is. He gives you wisdom for every moment when you begin to trust Him. In fact, if you admit that He bought you, then now you're His responsibility. You're His bride, and He provides perfectly by putting the Spirit in you. And all you have to do is surrender and say, I'm yours, I'm in your hands. What do you want me to do? What do I do now, Lord? And then listen to Him. I find no fault in him. Verse 39. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release the king of the Jews? Listen to me. This is bam! Truth in your face. Do you want truth to be released? Or do you want to go on living a lie? To free fully. You have a free will choice. Free grace. Free gift. Free power. For freedom, this release means to freely, to free fully, to dismiss, to pardon, to forgive, to set at liberty or set free. What say you? Because you have a release. Jesus is coming to judge the world and pay for all the sin and release all the captives if you choose truth. If you hear his voice... You're one that chose truth. That's what he just said, didn't he? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Are you of the truth? Are you listening for his voice? Now listen, he says, do you want me? That's will ye. It's your will. King James says, will ye. What will do you want? It's of your own will. It's, it's to will or to be minded to. This is your choice in your mind. 
Do you want Jesus to be released? He asked the nation. And what did it say? It says they cried again. So we know that they've been crying out. They've been making a lot of noise because it says he cried, they cried again, saying, not this man, <clears throat> but Barabbas. And then the Holy Spirit gives us the testimony that Barabbas was a robber. The other Gospels, <clears throat> Luke in 23, 19 says he was a, a rebellious, or in, in the rebellion, he was a murderer. So that means he was overthrowing the Roman government and killed people to do it. So we know he was a rebellious murderer. Uh, Mark 15, 7 says he was rebellious murderer. Uh here it says he was a robber. John 10, 1, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Remember what it said about Judas in John 12, 6? Judas was a thief and a robber. And he came up with his own light and his own soldiers and his own army. And they came and arrested Jesus. Barabbas. Here's the, the most incriminating. Bar is son of and Abbas is father. So Barabbas literally means son of a father. Son of a father. Matthew 27, 16 calls Barabbas a notable prisoner. Notorious prisoner. Guess what the word means? Having a mark on it. And then what happened with Jesus as he was finished? He's hung on a cross between two robbers. What happened to one of them? He changed his mind. I can tell you which one changed his mind. Michael was telling me this the other day. I never even noticed it. We read it in Matthew 25. When Jesus comes in his judgment, he puts the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. So as they were hanging there, the one on the right hand changed his mind. Bible's never wrong. The one on the left continued to rail on Jesus. And the one on the right said, what are you doing? Why are you railing on the Son of God? He's innocent. We're the guilty ones. And he said, Lord, remember me today. And he said, you'll be in paradise with me today. Because his mind changed. He changed his mind, which changed his direction. He stopped listening to sin and self and Satan. He allowed the Son of God to live in his heart and grow out. And he understood what was going on and he was set free. And he had a testimony that he used to be a robber. But he changed his mind. He began to listen to God's truth because he understood what truth was. It was a gift from God. 
But he had to make that free will choice to choose that gift and open that gift and understand the grace of God to be free. So we'll see that they cried again, Barabbas, we want the son of the father, the one who's a murderer and an insurrectionist. We don't want the innocent man to be set free, but we will choose. And this is what will happen every time you listen to the talking heads, every time you listen to the religious authority and you listen to the world and you listen to the spirit of Antichrist, even though self wants it. See, self wants Barabbas. I feel better if I'm following Barabbas because he's blown it too. I feel better if I'm following Barabbas because now I feel good about myself because I'm not as bad as Barabbas. So it's the nature of our flesh. That's why you need to make a free will choice to choose God's provision for the sin nature. And that is Jesus. That is truth. And you can't just say, I believe in you, Jesus. You have to start reading his word and putting his truth in your heart and saying, Lord, my heart's hard. I'm still mad at them. Soften my heart, Lord. I want to pray for them and their salvation. And that's why he tells us to pray for our enemies. But you have to begin to surrender and draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You stay fighting with God and in enmity with God. Um, your heart just gets harder and then you won't even receive the word of God later. He was a robber. You know, if you break one law, you've broken them all. Jesus broke none of them. But the ruling authorities, the liars, the ones underneath Satan's antichrist spirit, they convinced the whole crowd within a week, seven days, to choose Barabbas instead of Jesus. Who did they choose seven days before? On the tent in the sun, triumphal entry. Jesus is coming in. And they're like, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save now. That's what Hosanna means. Actually, it wasn't even seven days yet. It's four days. Fourteenth in the sun. They're saying, Barabbas, we changed our mind. They went back. That's what, they, that's what the devil got Eve to do, was to change her mind. But they didn't change their mind for the truth. They changed their mind back to darkness. Be careful with religion. Be careful with self and sin and Satan. Be careful with the choices you're making. If it doesn't line up with truth, who is a person, then you're still doing your own plans, your own kingdom, your own religion, your own legalism, your own ways, and you think you're clean and you can still celebrate the Passover. But the only way to celebrate the Passover is to bow down to him. And choose him as Lord of all. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace in our life. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. But we do know that you allow Satan to put blinders on our eyes. So, Lord, we pray that you would remove anything. That you would search us and know us. Try us and know our anxious thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in us. And lead us in the way everlasting, Lord. That we would not be leading you by our own thoughts and our own minds and our own emotions. But we would die, Lord, and let you grow in our hearts, in our little gardens. Uh, squeeze out the work of the Holy Spirit. Help us to die to self and, and grow up in you to maturity because of your word and because of what you've done. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.
And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I